You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, good morning. Good being with you guys. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up. We're going to be in the book of Jonah. And as I start out, it's going to be a bit of a review uh, from last week and then jumping into uh, this week. So Jonah chapter 1, it's in the Old Testament. If you've got a hard copy Bible, just if you need to look at the table of contents, don't worry. That's fine. That's great. And so you can find the little book of Jonah um, somewhere in the kind of the midsection of your Bible. And then if you're on an app, great, uh, version Bible app, and then we'll have some of, some of the passages on the screen, but you might want to refer to those later. As well with the teaching stuff, the devotional material, I've actually got, uh, I write uh, blogs and devotional content that want, if you want to be encouraged by that, kind of really going more in trying to apply God's Word into your life, then you can do that Monday through Friday on our website. It's all there. Well, today's topic is kind of about storms. So, Kind of the storms in life that we face. Last weekend, I was with my daughter, and we jumped out of, after church, and we went up to Lake Pleasant, and um, that was a lot of fun, but I looked at the temperature gauge, and it said 117 outside. Pretty hot in Phoenix right now, right? I think we're breaking some records. I know even up in Payson and the White Mountains and Pine Top and Sholo, they're all saying, this is like hot, so it's 117, we're driving to Lake Pleasant, then we get to Lake Pleasant Sunday afternoon. Some of you might have recalled a big monsoon came through, and it was awesome. Like, my kids acted like they'd never seen rain before, and they're like trying to eat raindrops and having a blast, and the storm comes in, and then lightning starts shocking, and I'm like, get out of the water, get out of the water. And my daughter's like, no, Dad, it's just awesome being in this storm, you know. I'm like, that's not good. You don't understand. Storms can be very dangerous. So finally, I get out. We get in the truck. We drive out of there. It's awesome. This guy gets stuck. We get a chain. We pull him out. It's just a fun day for the Rice family. So then uh, we're driving out of there. It's 75 degrees, massive shift in temperature. And guess what? Everybody else on the lake was just like us. They said it's raining, and people act like those have been the adults. They act like rain is like acid. So they acid rain. They like try to hide and they shelter. And people don't come to church. People don't go grocery shopping. It's raining outside. It's storming, and so everybody and their mama loaded up and was headed out of Lake Pleasant. And you know they got sheriffs everywhere, barricades, and it's like jam packed. So it takes us like an hour and a half to get home from Lake Pleasant because everybody and their mama was trying to leave. Massive storm came though, blew through. And it started to, it kind of reminded me of this principle that we're gonna learn today about storms. Is that when storms hit, it kind of changes everything. Like when you go through a big storm in your life, and we're gonna look at a literal storm in the book of Jonah, and I'm talking about this last Sunday, that big monsoon that came through and it hit, there was a 40 something degree temperature change, but then literally thousands of people reacted. And sometimes when storms hit you in life, literally, you, you don't really plan how you're going to respond in the midst of a storm. It just kind of happens. And then you find yourself like in this area, like trying to make the best of a situation. Many of us have gone through a storm called COVID-19. And literally, we feel like maybe we've been in the belly of a well for like five months at home. And we're like, this is a storm in our life season. 
And so what I want to do today is I want to help you kind of navigate as a believer, how do you navigate through storms of life? And some of you say, I'm not in a storm right now. Well, you're going to go through one. That's just the way the world works. Jesus said, in this world, you'll face trouble. And some of you tend to find more trouble than others. And then some of you, you're doing pretty good. But either you've come out of a storm today, you're in a storm right now, some kind of relational storm, some kind of financial storm, some kind of storm in your life, or you're getting ready to go through a storm. And what I want to do is look at a real case study in history um, for us to look at this man named Jonah and see how this storm influences his life for the good and really for the glory of God. And so let's do this. We're going to jump in verse uh, 4. And we're going to look at this storm. It says, But the the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was this mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Let me pause real quick. There's a storm that happens. Jonah's on a boat. He's headed to southern Spain. He was supposed to go um, to Nineveh. He disobeys God. Disobedience takes you down. Obedience calls you up. And he gets on this boat, and then God intervenes right here. The Lord hurled this great wind or storm upon him. Let me pause for a moment and illustrate the power of a storm and the deathliness of a storm, um, the deadliness of a storm. In history, in our country, what do you think the worst storm was? Somebody just shout it out. Worst storm. Maybe that you remember. Katrina. Everybody says Katrina. I was in college at the time. My buddies were like, let's go down to Katrina and help fix Katrina. And that city needed massive work, right? Because, I mean, that storm, that hurricane devastated that city. But it wasn't near as deadly as the one I'm about to tell you. This is the worst storm in American history. Um, in the 1900s, there was this, uh, 1900, the year 1900, there was the great Galveston hurricane. Hurricane. Um, the hurricane ripped the coastal line, killed as many as 12,000 men, women, and children. Um, and most of that tragedy happened right there in Galveston, Texas. Uh, the waves and the wind pounded the shoreline. The surge of the storm went into the city, flooded 8 to 12 feet, uh, in the, the city in that time. It destroyed 7,000 buildings, 3,700 homes, and it left 10,000 people homeless. And at that time, that's one-third of the entire population of Galveston was homeless. This is a massive storm. In today's time, you may not be trying to survive this real storm, but you might be going through these issues, these metaphorical storms in your life, and you're asking, why, God, is this hardship, difficulty, or trial happening to me? What's going on in my life? How do I find myself in these storms or in these tragedies and these tough situations? Today, what I want to do is help you navigate through that. So jumping back in the passage, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. So God initiates this storm. Jonah's been running in rebellion. The Bible tells us that the Lord did this. He brought this storm upon, him, upon Jonah in that ship And then look what happens. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and lain down fast asleep. 
A couple of things in this passage right here is that the mariners were afraid, each cried out to their God. These guys are what's called a polytheist. They believe in many gods and um, they kind of like whatever works for you. Uh, that's what they will, ad- they adapt it into their life. I mean, I've had friends that were, I would call polytheist. Uh, I remember one time going down a river trip and this guy was deathly afraid of the, the river and I was the guide and he has like a Jewish cross, he's got a Jesus cross and then he's praying and to God and the, the divine life force and I'm like, why do you do that? He's like, man, whatever it takes. If there's a God up there, I need him. I need him on my side. I said, okay. Uh, this, this is a normal response for many people. They're afraid and they each cried out to his God. Uh, historically, these mariners, they would have had a god of the sea, god of the land, god of the sky, god of the moon, god of the stars, god of the sun. There's just all sorts of gods. So you just want to kind of figure out what's going on. And they thought, okay, this storm is brought upon us. God, there's a god force here. We need God. So they're crying out to God. And then they start hurling the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Lost a lot of money, perhaps wine, uh, olives, grapes, uh, grains, and seeds are tossing it into the sea. But it says, but Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. That's just not normal. Like, when a storm hits, you don't go fall asleep. So something's wrong with Jonah, I would point out. He's spiritually sick. He's got a soul sickness. He's emotionally, spiritually kind of been running from God and he's drained physically, emotionally exhausted. Disobedience with God, the closer you are with God and the more, uh, the, when the, you have conflict with God, there's a, there's, a, there's a kind of a ripple effect to that. And you know, if you've been in a close relationship, somebody that you love or you look up to and they hurt you or something happens, they say something, it really affects you. And Jonah's, Jonah's asleep. He's just not doing well. Uh, so the captain, verse 6, came and said to him, what do you mean? You sleeper, calls him a sleeper, arise, call out to your God, because he's calling out to gods, and they're all calling out to gods, and perhaps the God will give thought to us that we may not perish. So he's going to eliminate all the options of what's going on. He wants to be safe. And so then they said to one another, I imagine the captain and the sailors are like, hey, let's do what we normally do with these kinds of things and figure out the process of elimination. Let's cast lots. And my, my friends that love to do gambling and casino work, this is, their, this is their proof text right here. They're like, see, it's used in the Bible. You can do bets and gambles. So come let us cast lots. And they, they that we may know on whose account this evil has come from. The question is, is like, how did the storm happen? So they cast lots, and the lot fell on who? Jonah. Yeah, God uses, used the lot system. It, lots would have been like dice, it, little stone dice that had inscriptions on them, and it was either yes or no kind of deal. You roll the dice, and you roll it to one individual, and they process of elimination, and it all came down to Jonah. So they're freaked out, and they know this guy's the troublemaker. So, and they said to one another, um, then they said to him, uh, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us, what is your occupation, and where do you come from, what is your country, and, and, and of what people are you? And so this is like an interrogation, and th- this is a, you're, remember, there's a mighty storm going on on this boat, 
and you're thinking, how can they get five questions into this guy? It's a group of people. You ever been in trouble and everybody around you knows you're the one who did it and they start questioning you and you feel like, okay, 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 okay. You're cornered back, your back is behind the wall. You know you're, you're stuck. So he tells them, this is where he speaks up. He hadn't spoken up a whole lot in the story thus far. And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. He's naming his nationality. He's telling them exactly his, his faith system. A Hebrew was a monotheist, meaning they believed in one God. And it's bigger than that. He's a, a, he believes his God is the one who made all the sea and the dry land. So when he says this, it kind of freaks him out. He says, and I fear the Lord, meaning I know God's all powerful. The God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. So look what they say, verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid. Notice that word, exceedingly. Afraid and said to him, what is this you've done? In other words, you idiot. Why would you run from God? Why would you do this if he made the sea, if he made the dry land? All this, he said, for the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. How many of you guys, you've ever kind of, kind of, you kind of been in the presence of God, you know God's word, you know God's voice. The Bible says that, um, that we can hear God's voice if it's an impression upon our heart, if it's just a gut feeling. Sometimes we know what God wants us to do and it's pretty clear. And then you go the opposite direction, it's dangerous. So Jonah confesses he's been fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them, verse 11, and then he said to them, uh, this is, they said to him, the, the sailor and, all the ca- and the captain there, he says, what shall we do with you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, why don't you pick me up and hurl me into the sea? Now that, that, that's just not a good idea because that's a raging sea. Basically what Jonah's saying is, I'm, elect, I'm electing for suicide right here. He, he, he's not in a good place emotionally, spiritually, Physically, he's not in a good place. Pick me up, hurl me into the sea. The storm is so bad in Jonah's life that he wants out. He'd rather die in that sea and drown than go to Nineveh. Did you know that um, research says that with suicides in today's uh, country, in our country today, it's not premeditated like hours or months or weeks or days. It's usually the suicides that take place, unfortunately and tragically, the decision is made in a matter of minutes, meaning they woke up that day thinking everything's good, I'm fine, we're going along, but literally a storm comes into their life, they're so frustrated and overtaken by the storm, in a matter of minutes they move from, I'm just trying to get through what I'm going through to take me out. Jonah's there, so some of you may be there. And what you need to see right now as we're going to jump into this a little bit further is God has a radical, inclusive love for people, even rebellious people, people that are stupid, making bad decisions. And the Bible's filled with examples like Jonah, who's, he's got issues. He's a racist. You're going to find that out. He doesn't like the Ninevites. He's running from God. He's got issues, and I'm, I'm glad this is happening to him because he needed, there needed to be a sense of holiness and a great godliness. If you're going to occupy that office of, as a prophet in northern Israel, as a religious leader, you shouldn't be occupying that office with all the issues that this man had. 
And so he's in this storm and he chooses to kind of jump off the boat. Maybe you've been there before. You, you, you haven't jumped out of the boat before, but you've been right up to the edge and thought, it'd be better if I just ended this thing. I can remember as a teenager, I got in so much trouble. I was driving my truck about 75, 80 miles an hour down the freeway, and there was this huge concrete pillar. And in a split second, I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mash the, my foot to the floor. I'm gonna floor it, and I'm gonna hit that pillar. And I didn't do it. And I'm glad I didn't do it. I wasn't even a Christian but I didn't do it. Jonah's in that spot where he, he does it. Pick me up, hurl me into the sea, and the sea will quiet down, for I know it's because of what? Me. That this great tempest has come upon you. He's guilty. He's feeling bad. Verse 13, nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. In other words, they're like, dude, we do not want to kill you. We do not want to do that. If you are this religious guy, you're this prophet guy, we don't want to kill you because your God is the God of the sea and the dry land. So they're like, no, we're going to save you. No, 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 you're not, we're not going to kill you. Verse 14, they can't do it. They can't get back. And they say, therefore, they called out to the Lord. They, meaning the sailors are moving from like polytheist to monotheist. They all start calling out to who? The Lord, the real Lord. Oh, Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. In other words, like, he screwed it up. He messed it all up. Don't let us die because of him, because we're about to toss him out. And lay not on us innocent blood, for you, oh, Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they say, all right, okay, we're going to toss him out. He's the one who's got an end with God. We're going to trust him. So they picked Jonah up. <laughs> I can't imagine what this would be like. Toss me, go ahead, toss me. No, we don't want to toss you. No, you got to toss me. And under his breath, he's saying, the last thing I'd want to do is I want to live and face Nineveh, so I'd rather die, go ahead and toss me. That's what he's saying. You ever been there before? It's so bad, you're like, it'd just be nicer if I was gone. That's where Jonah's at. So they picked him up, they hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. That's a violent word right there, raging. I don't know if you've ever been in a boat before out in the ocean. I got friends, they come with me on deep sea fishing trips, and it's good weather, and they're puking down at the bottom of the boat. I'm like, come on, you wimp, come on. This is a raging sea, not, not a calm sea. So they're terrified. It ceased, boom, silence, water like glass, sun's coming out. Verse 16, then the men feared the Lord, there's that word again, exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. They become, Christ, they become believers, not Christians at the time, because Jesus hasn't come on the scene yet, but they become believers. The men feared the Lord exceedingly, they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and then what happens to Jonah? And the Lord appointed, I wonder what that was like, Seeing all these big whales swimming around down there, the Lord's like, you, big boy, over here, swim over to this guy, don't chew him up, swallow him up. The Lord appoints a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So what are some, some questions that we may have is like, one is what caused this storm? What causes the storms of life that you go through? Some of you are in a marriage storm. And some of you, maybe you're in the boat and you're like, just toss me out. 
better if this was over. I'm the problem. Some of you are in a financial storm. You're like, this is too hard. Can't do it anymore. God, why is this happening to me? What's going on in my life? Some of you are in relational storms, just people around you, things at work, things at school, things with your neighbors, things with your family. And you've got some questions. Here are three reasons why I think we face storms of life today. There are more than these three reasons, but I'll give you three of what I believe are the most common reasons why we go through major storms in life. Number one is some storms are just our fault. Meaning, Ryan Rice self-creates storms sometimes, you know? Like in, in the relationship in my own marriage, like sometimes I just wake up grumpy. And I, I kind of start the day like a little storm maker. And then my wife's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, ah, 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 ah. and everything's wrong. And that's when you got to say, Lord, all right, like I, I create this storm, that, this friction in my household. And doesn't it, isn't it sad? Because I know you can look back on your own life and go, I, I realized I was in that house and I mouthed off. I said this or I did that. My kids are now frustrated. My wife is now frustrated or my spouse is now frustrated. And it's like, this is not a good spot to be in. Some storms are just your fault and our fault. And we all do this. Jonah this storm, he's in the storm of his life, literally and then metaphorically. Like literally, he's in a storm. Metaphorically, he's got some big problems. He's got racism he's going to deal with. He's got disobedience and rebellion against God he needs to deal with. And he is not in a healthy spot. This storm was really, it's his fault. He ran from God. He created the problems. He rejected God's divine mission on his life. He's in grief. He's in frustration. He's wrestling. He's just not in a good spot. I can think of rebellious teenagers who cause their parents so much grief and hardship and frustration and, and they're hurting themselves and then they're hurting everybody around them and they're in disobedience and defiance and it hurts everybody and the trouble that they're in, you're like, as a parent, you're like, this is your fault. Like, wake up. Like, does somebody need to slap you? What's going on here? And many of you were like me, you were that teenager. You were that kid. And then you go back in your godliness and, and your spiritual growth and say, I'm sorry. Sorry you had to put up with me. Man, I hope my kids aren't like that. Some of us are getting into trouble and it's our fault because we create these, these storms in relationships. You go into a relationship and then you just start, I don't know, you're just good at criticism. <laughs> you know how to criticize and analyze and point out everybody's problems and you create a storm. Some of you make bad decisions time and time again. You, you fall into a, 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 a habit that turns into an addiction and then you're just kind of creating this little storm in your life. And, it, and it's weird because it's like the storm cloud kind of just follows you everywhere you go. And people are starting to get frustrated with that. And you can lose friends over it. Or you have a loose tongue and you say whatever you want. And you say, I speak it like it is. I say the truth because it is truth. And then everybody around you is frustrated because you're creating the storms. When you're in person or you're on social media, you're creating the storms. And so then you're like, why am I so in trouble all the time? Why do people hate me? Why do I get mean comments back at me? Or, well, sometimes we create these storms. 
I'm guilty of that. I talk too much sometimes. My wife needs to like, like, zip it. Just be quiet. That'd be good for you. Sometimes storms are our fault. We create these. And it's important to notice when you're in a storm, you ought to ask why. You're a believer. You're a big boy. You're a big girl. Why am I in this storm? Did I create this? Jonah definitely created that storm. I mean, he brought it upon himself. Secondly, some storms are brought on by others. This is where we make room for the category of evil in the world and Satan and demons love to work through people and to hurt other people through people. So if there are people that have deeply hurt you, affected you, impacted your life in a negative sense, you need to know that these are what I call the storm makers. They create storms. They're good at it. They're gifted at it. The devil and all his little henchmen love to resource these people. And I'll tell you this, I'm guilty of being a storm maker. You're guilty of being a storm maker. We all kind of, unfortunately, the dark side of the heart is we can create storms. And then people um, don't love these people very much. They start to resent them, don't like them, don't want to spend time around them. Let me, for you singles, let me warn you, don't marry, don't engage don't flirt with storm makers. If you're married to a storm maker, I'm so sorry. You're stuck and you got to work it out and you can work it out and God can bring peace in the storm. But what are these storm makers? Uh, storm makers, I'll tell you a couple of ways to look for them to spot a storm maker is number one, you can listen to their words. Listen to what they have to say. In politics right now, there's a lot of storm makers. I mean, you can't watch anything on either side, left wing, right wing, whatever. It's storms. And these are storm makers. Listen to the words. Storm makers usually communicate in extremes such as all or nothing, win or lose, right or wrong, good or bad, my way or the highway kind of talk. Now, I am attracted to kind of people that are like, just matter of fact, like that's kind of cool. But at the same time, there's an uneasiness about it because so much of life, there's, a, there's an in-between the lines kind of issues. There's much more to the story. Listen to the words of the potential storm maker that you're facing. Maybe this person is at work. Maybe this is a neighbor. But storm makers can drive you crazy. And I want to help you Learn not to get the life sucked out of you and get sucked into the vortex, the eye of the storm with these kinds of people. These people are probably, they're definitely, we have storm makers in our church that are very active at storm making. We have uh, people in our community, our neighborhoods, definitely at your workplace. There's plenty of storm makers and we're all guilty of this too. Secondly, I would encourage you to watch the behavior of the storm maker. The behavior, truth and time go hand in hand. You watch the behavior long enough, you'll find out what kind of person they are. uh, A person with a long history of extreme behavior, ups, downs, under stress, do, do whatever they want, justify their behavior, justify their excuses, talk about themselves, self-centered, and then they end up recruiting others to be like them and want you to join their storm. Let me illustrate this. I had a family member, loved the guy tremendously, but he was a vicious storm maker. We would go to holiday events, and then he would start telling me about these crazy conspiracies and these things that are going on. And I mean, everything was true to this guy from 
aliens to Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster to government theories, everything. And I was the only family member that had the patience to kind of put up with it. So I'd sit down and talk to him. He's telling me these bogus, crazy ideas. Everybody's mad and frustrated with what this guy has to say in our family. Nobody wants to sit with the storm makers. And so I sit down with him. And then he tells me these bogus ideas and says, do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? And he's nodding his head like this suggestive behavior. And as a person who interacts with storm makers, the last thing you want to do is go, yeah. Because now you're feeding the storm. And the storm maker, the best thing you can do is back up and go, no, I don't agree. I disagree. You got to stop the storm makers. Watch the behavior of a storm maker. And then last, I'd say evaluate your emotions. Some storm makers will literally, um, they're fueled by anger, frustration, resentment, pain, hurt. And it can be very legitimate. But watch the emotion when you interact with the storm maker. It could be a a tragedy that happened in their life. And instead of letting God help them heal from it, they never dealt with it. And they're getting sicker and sicker. And it's getting more and more out of control. When you walk into the room with a storm maker, it kind of sucks the life out out of your being. It's exhausting being around storm makers. Jonah's a classic storm maker. What's he doing in the middle of, of the literal storm? He's sleeping. Storm makers can wear you out. You, when you have a meeting with a storm maker at work or in your family, you meet with them, you prepare on, you know, ahead of time, you know the person's gonna be highly defensive, you're trying to gauge how you're gonna work this thing, then you have the conversation, and then what do you have to do? Because it was so exhausting, you have to have a follow-up with the storm maker. These can wear you out. Some of these storms are brought on by others, and I don't wanna downplay that, but you need to know that God wants us to figure out how to deal with storm makers in our life. And the Bible talks about in the book of Proverbs, if you need wisdom on like relationships, read Proverbs. I read it all the time and pray for God's wisdom all the time because I need to know how to work with people. And the, the Bible and Proverbs basically creates two easy categories, foolish and the wise. And the storm makers tend to trend in the foolish category. They run their mouth, they blame, they push. And you can't really fix storm makers, the foolish. The only way you really deal with the storm makers is let them spin out of control and learn through hardship. And that's exactly what God did with Jonah. He says, you're gonna have to learn through hardship because you just don't get it. Like you got good books back in Northern Israel. I done spoken to you very clearly with divine revelation but you still don't get it. Storm makers need trouble to, to correct their, their struggle. So I think the reality is, is that when we think about storm makers, you gotta say, I can minister to them, but I'm not going to befriend and hang out with them all the time. And the storm maker in my family's life, the guy ended up coming to faith in Christ. I witnessed to him. I got to baptize him in my pool. We celebrated and he moved from a storm maker to a peacemaker. It was a glorious, God-honoring, beautiful story. The storm makers will suck the life out of you, and they'll, they'll wheel you into their drama. So how do we look at this? I think some of the storms that you face are also, you need to think about it like this, is divine interventions. When you look at Jonah's story, it, the Bible actually said that God 
hurled the storm at him. So did Jonah create it? Yeah, he invoked it. He kind of asked for it. And then God himself throws a storm onto Jonah's boat. So maybe you're in a boat, maybe you're headed in the wrong direction, and now you're feeling the, the frustration and you're going, do I have an almighty God against me right now? You should be terrified. The further you go in that direction in disobedience, the more massive I think the storm will be, a divine intervention. Some of you might say, God's not good, God's not nice to do that, wah, wah, wah. So I would say, no, listen to me. Listen, God has a father's heart. God knows what's best for Jonah. Let me tell you a story about fathering my, my daughter. We were down in Dallas, Texas. I was in seminary at the time, and my little girl had this, she's probably two or three at the time, and she had just got her legs, and she was learning how to run. And so we go out to the front yard. We hung out in the front yard a lot. I know you don't do that in Phoenix because it's so hot and everything's gravel. Back there, it's big grass yards. We got rope swings and trees and we're hanging out in the front yard. Imagine that. Not everybody goes into the garage, shuts it, and then whoop, see you. But they play in the front yard. And so we played in the front yard. And my little girl got her new walking legs and she decides she's just gonna run across the street because Joseph and Shawnee lived across the street. We're gonna hang out with Joseph and Shawnee. And so we're playing and I told her, I said, you can't cross that street. She's drinking, eating a little like orange push-up, loving that thing. And I say, listen, if you cross that street, you could get hit by a car because it was a through street. It wasn't a dead end. I wish we did. We didn't have a lot of money, made the best out of what we could, had a busy through street. I wanted to build a fence, but didn't have enough money for a fence. So what do I got to do? I teach my kid. You don't cross this street. I don't care who's over there calling you to go play. Don't cross the street. Do you understand? Three years old. Yes, daddy, I understand. First time she does it, I see her. I'm in the uh, hammock, jump out of the hammock, run over there and grab her. I pull her back. No, no, no. You do not cross that street. I told you that. Okay, dad, I'm so sorry. Second time, she does it again. I grab her and I just say, whop, smack her butt really hard. She cries to this day. She's 15 year old. That was the most traumatic moment of my life. Mike, you needed that. Do you, do you know why you needed that? Because I don't want to bury my little girl from be, being clobbered by a car. That is a, a life altering experience. But that little swat on the butt, that needed to happen. What you need to see when we look at the Bible and you see these divine interventions, I mean, powerful. The Bible says that God has the power to raise up a king and to take one down, raise a city and level a city, to bring a, a, a something what seems like a tragic storm into a person's life, but to turn around and then use it for good. See, the divine storm that you might be facing right now is not about punishment, it's actually about provision. The divine storm that you might be facing right now is not about God trying to pay you back because you've done something terrible. He's not like that. He's not vindictive. That's not the Christian God. He's not trying to pay you back, but he is trying to bring you back. And I will tell you, the further you go on the journey of disobedience, the more, I would say, spectacular and perhaps even dangerous it may be. The worst place for an unbeliever to be is in deliberate disobedience. That's why in Romans 1, it says that God gave them up to a depraved mind and to, to the, their twisted uh, desires of, from the flesh. So the worst thing you can do is get at odds with God. When you become a Christian, man, 
Now you're like, you're, you're under the submission of a mighty king who rules and reigns in this earth. He is CEO of the whole world, the sea and the dry land and all that is in it. And so when you go on disobedience with God, the further revelation you have, the more responsibility you have. Peter Parker said that, I think, in Spider-Man. But I'm telling you, it is true in that regard. Jonah had great responsibility. And he punts. So there is need for a divine intervention. Interventions are never fun. How many of you guys have ever done an intervention with a friend, like an alcoholic or a drug addict? You know what I'm saying? Like, these are not fun. Remember how a family member got uh, very involved in uh, alcoholism, and uh, we did an intervention with all of this individual's closest friends, his family, children involved, all different ages, and you do a surprise attack, and you tell the person, you are destroying your life. And you let them have it. And it feels good when you've been the victim of a crazy uh, uh, storm maker. You're tired of the storm. And you need to let the storm makers know, we're done with this. Your behavior's out of control. You're destroying the family. You're destroying everything. So let them have it. And these are never fun, by the way. Okay? You get all sorts of, your, your vocabulary just increases tremendously. You learn all these new words. People are cussing in the room. You're like, holy smokes. You think we're exercising demons in this room. But I'm telling you what ends up happening is if it goes well and the person learns from the foolishness and the pain and that confrontation, they get a lot better. And our story did. And I don't know what kind of intervention you got that you need, but I'll tell you this, if you're in that category of deep rebellion, then you've got an intervention coming, is what I'm saying. You got one coming. Because God loves his kids way too much to let let them go as an orphan. What did Jesus say? I'll never never leave you as an orphan. I'm I'm gonna come get you if I need to. So what do we do? I'll give you a couple of points uh, real quick on how to deal with... um, all this and and kind of some practical steps. Number one, lessons from the storm for me is call out to God. This is good news. Whatever struggle you're in, trouble that you're in, you just call out to God. You cry out to him. The Psalms say, call out to the Lord for he is near to those who call him in truth. You call out to God, no matter how bad the storm is, no matter what you're going through, you call out to God constantly and continually. I think of those that have endured storms. Some of you are just called to a life of weathering the storm and you need to be a truth bearer. You need to be this figure in your family that just stands up for truth as a man or as a woman or as a Christian, you need to do that. And I I think of one of the, perhaps one of the strongest men to stand strong in the midst of the storms in his life is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He served as a catalytic voice in a much needed civil rights uh, crisis and movement as a pastor and political leader. At times he was hated by blacks, he was hated by whites alike, and other civil rights leaders turned their backs on him. He, his allies broke their commitments to him, turned against him. He was imprisoned. He was beaten for what he believed in. He was stabbed at one point in time. His house was set on fire with his family in it. He was, his house was later bombed, and he was accused of being a communist and told to leave the country he loved. 
So how did this man react? How did he respond to this? With hatred or with peace? He often was sick and exhausted and depressed. I don't know if you know that about him, but people like this, oftentimes great leaders that you love and admire, I'm not saying he was, but many times they're suicidal behind the scenes because they're, they're going through so much. He was depressed. He was exhausted. This man, though, could survive the storm. Maybe you're there. You're in an exhausting storm. Could you stand strong in it? Can, can you hang on? Can you call out to God in the midst of it? In his last speech in Memphis, April 3rd, 1968, King displayed strength in the storm. He said, I, I don't know what's going to happen to me now, but and we've gone through some difficult, we've got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't matter to me now because I've been to the mountaintop and I don't mind like anybody. I'd like to live a long life and longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that right now. What I'm concerned about is doing God's will. See, what I want for you, friends, is to have such a great relationship with God that whatever storm comes your way, because somebody brought it into your life, or maybe it's a divine intervention, you're going to call out to God and stand strong in the midst of it. Because like I said earlier, I'm telling you the truth. You're either in a storm right now, you're about to be in a storm, or you've gone through some storms in the past. And you've got to learn how to navigate this and ask the questions about it. Uh, Martin Luther King was committed to do God's will, stand strong in the midst of storms, and as Christians, we're called to do the same. In Jonah's story, the sailors call out to God in verse 5. The mariners were afraid, but they cried out to God, and they're calling out to their gods, and later they all call out to God. Call out to God in the midst of your storm, whatever's going on. Secondly, I challenge you is, uh, the lesson learned is we all need a because of me moment. And what do I mean by that? I mean, you, you need to suck it up and take responsibility for whatever's going on. If there's a storm, you should do self-inventory and say, am, am I the one who created this thing? The because of me uh, statement comes out of Jonah 1.8. He says, they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. And then he turns around and he says in verse 12, he's, he says that it's because of me. He says, it's because of me. And I think for us, we've got to realize there's some because of me moments that you need to take into your life. Because of me, my family's struggling right now. Because of me, we're in a mountain of debt right now. Because of me, I've, I've kind of given in to this temptation and now it's become an addiction. That's because of me. See, that's spiritual maturity is when you start figuring that out. And people love to be around those kind of people because it's like a, a sense of humility, but honor and strength in that. And you and I need a because of me moment from time to time. It's because of me I got myself into this situation. It's because of me I'm not doing good with God right now. It's because of me I've decided just to stay disconnected from the church. I, it's because of me I'm spiritually in a bad place because I don't look to God's word. It's because of me. Like, that's a good moment in Jonah's life, that because of me moment where he owns it. But what did it take? It took a storm. It took a fierce, raging storm in his life. We need a because of me moment. And then lastly, I just want to encourage you and remind you that God brings salvation in the midst of a storm. The story of Jonah is not just about Jonah. 
and his disobedience. The story of Jonah is about a good and gracious God who relentlessly pursues us despite our ignorance, arrogance, uh, racism, uh, prejudice, uh, disobedience, deliberate rebellion against God. There's a God who literally says, I'm gonna point that big guy down there. Swim over here. Jonah, he's so dumb, he's gonna about to commit suicide. Go swallow him up. Protect him for three days. Protect him. He would have drowned without that fish. Some of you, you've already been there. You, you stepped up to the edge of the boat and you just, you want to jump off. And I'll tell you, I mean, is God always going to send a fish to protect you? Not always. But he did here. And what you need to know is the heart of God is salvation in the midst of a storm. The sailors experience salvation. They, they, they become believers. Um, what's God really want Jonah to do? To bring salvation to Nineveh. That's, that's really what he wants to do. Somebody asked, like, why did Jesus come? And, and the apostle Paul responded, and he says, this is a trustworthy saying. Jesus came to save sinners. So you, whatever storm you're in, or your friend is in, or your family member is in, do believe this, that God brings salvation in the midst of a storm. Remember the story of Peter, and he's uh, obsessed with Jesus and his power and he knows he's the Lord. Storm comes up, they're out fishing, and he sees Jesus out at the water, and he's like, oh my gosh, is that a ghost? No, it's Jesus. He's the bravest, perhaps the most impetuous, kind of split-second decision maker. I'm gonna go out and walk on water with Jesus. So he jumps out of the boat, and he sees Jesus, and literally he's walking on water. I mean, I don't know that, how cool that would be to be able to do that. He's doing that. And then all of a sudden, the wind picks up. Thunder and lightning in the background. Peter's like, what in the world am I doing out here? And then he starts to sink. And then Peter, the Bible says, he cried out to the Lord, save me. And just in that moment, Jesus reaches down and saves Peter. My encouragement to you is believe. Believe that no matter what kind of storm you're in, or that your friends are going through, or your family members are going through, that God has the power to save in the midst of a storm. Your next step is simply to trust God in this storm. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, that today there are some storm makers here. And uh, they know they've created storms, and just like I have, Lord, in times in my life, I've created the storm. I brought it upon myself. Lord, sometimes there's just storms that come into our life, Lord, and these are people that are bent against us and want to hurt us. And Lord, this is exhausting and emotionally draining. I pray for encouragement there, Lord, and strength and faith for all those that are going through hardship and trial because somebody else is just bent on bringing bad into this world. And Father, some of us today... We're just in that process where we might be finding ourselves in a divine intervention. And Father, for those, I pray, God, that you would grant your great grace and your mercy and save them. Um, For those of you that never have placed your faith in Jesus Christ and you're spiritually dead, you need Jesus Christ, would you pray with me just right there from your chair, just quietly? Heavenly Father, I acknowledge I'm a storm maker. I created a lot of storms in my life and I want this storm to cease. I acknowledge my sin 
and I believe in Jesus to calm this storm and to save me. And I'm asking for your help today, Lord, to save me and make me safe eternally. And Father, for my friends that are here today and they're just struggling, they're in a storm or they're, they know they're about to go into another storm. I pray, Father, for them that they would call out to you and might you bring calm in the chaos. And Father, might they look to you as not trying to pay them back, but to bring them back and to strengthen them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey guys, it's been great being with you. I wanna say thank you. Uh, for a moment, just for all of you who are part of this church, it's been an honor. We're in the second week now, post kind of reopening. And one of the great joys that I've had is being able to look back and see the faithfulness and the generosity of you, of those that have given, and then being able to reopen the church. And we had a spontaneous kind of baptism that we just did last week and seeing the, the health of the church. I want to encourage you, For those of you that are giving, thank you for giving and being faithful in that. Know that we've got to do our job as a church to get Bible teaching, gospel preaching teaching out into the lives of people to impact the world for Christ and that we all play a part of that in giving. And and so thank you for doing that. Those of you that do that online, there's a giving box behind you if you want to before you head out today or do it online. And for all of you that do that, thank you so much. And so as well, if you made a decision for Christ today, there is a Connect Corner right over here. We'd love to talk with you. Or if you just want to text NV Connect to 94090, we'd love to help you get started on your journey. And if you're new, we got a gift for you. So we're going to continue to worship. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.